Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Harley Buglers! Uh, heli, it, apparently it's the plural. I've been saying it wrong all these years. <laughs> so, heli, not hello. If you're addressing more than one person, or more than one thing, or you're in a formal social situation with someone you don't know that well, I think. I'm good. Let's go with hi. That's definitely plural. Hus is the singular, of course. Trust me, I studied classics. Anyway, greetings, buglers. Always open accessible, Andy. <laughs> greetings, buglers, and welcome to uh, issue 4042 of The Bugle, the world's only reliably non-unreliable source of truth and lies, with me, Andy Zaltzman, still a contender to be the 13th person to set foot on the moon. Who says I've lost it at the age of nearly 43? I'm live... <laughs> In London, the city with everything you could possibly want in a city apart from a volcano, <laughs> one nil Naples, and a bearded communist revolutionary in a mausoleum in the city's main square, one nil Moscow. For now, Moscow, for now. Come back in 50 years and we'll see what the score is then. Joining me this week are two men who have, between them, never discovered a new chemical element, never ridden to victory in a MotoGP motorbike race, and never sparked a revolution in the Christian church by sticking a to-do list on a church door. But, A, give them time, they're only young, and B, they're cheaper than uh, John's Jacob Berzelius, who is dead as a nut, uh, Valentino Rossi, too noisy, running his bike, and Martin Luther, who would just bang on about spiritual repentance in Latin, which is not what this show is about. So I'm more than happy with what we've got <laughs> from London, as you probably recognise the laugh, and in fact the words, <laughs> Nish Kumar, and from a long way from London, welcome back to Tom Ballard. Hus, hus, Andy. Hus, hus. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Tom. Hus buglers. <laughs> oh, they're, plural. they're plural. Oh, sorry. That's, I that's do apologise. You've anyway. opened with <laughs> you've opened with plurals and Martin Luther. For everyone playing Zoltzman Bingo, we are a couple of cricket puns away from a full house. So welcome, welcome back. It's been a been a while since you. Yeah, uh, I've been away for a while, yeah. Zoltz. Yeah, yeah, it's been um, it's been a, an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah. I've. Uh, I did uh, a TV show, thanks to all the buglers uh, who watched it in Britain. Thanks to all the buglers who watched it abroad in what I assume was a spectacularly illegal method. <laughs> um, I also I popped up to Edinburgh for a bit. I did a, uh, a charity show where comedians had to sing songs from a musical. Oh and uh, I did a, a full rap, uh, the George Washington rap from Hamilton. So I guess what I'm trying to say, Andy, is I'm a rapper now. <laughs> I'm a full rapper. NK47 is on the mic. And I'll be dropping some sweet rhymes over the course of the bugle. In the very specific musical theatre genre. In the very specific... Yeah, of course. I went to grammar school, Tom. I can't actually (laughs) rap. You were so good. I was at that show. It made me so happy on so many levels. Where were you? Where was the Zaltzman? What would you sing? Uh, Well, nothing. I disapprove of musicals in every form. Um... Well, you know what I'm I would sure say to that, Andy? In, there's something in the Old Testament about it, isn't there? Is there something in the Old Testament about musicals? Yeah, I say that. Uh, the first musical I ever appeared in as a five-year-old uh, playing the part of Mrs Noah was a musical <laughs> called Noah, written by the music teacher at my school. <laughs> How very progressive, yeah. playing with gender roles. I like Well, that. it was an all-boys school. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it was more just basic practicality rather than... Uh, than uh, a man, of his time a man playing... Uh, a boy playing Mrs Noah... Yeah. In an all-boys school m- production, is simultaneously the most progressive and the most regressive thing imaginable. <laughs> Do you remember any of the songs? Uh, I can't remember. There was one song called "My Name Is Twiggy," which was about the, <laughs> the bird that found the little hula. <laughs> thought... But I mean, surely it must have been called Twiggy after the fact. 
Yeah, yeah. Brother well, the twig. He yeah. couldn't be found t- unless he was a specialist twig finding dove. <laughs> I've never thought about this. I thought this was a very revisionist take on the Old Testament, which featured the 1960s model Twiggy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it wasn't. Tom, how's how's London been for you? Uh, Wonderful, thank you. Yes, I'm I'm doing shows, Little Soho Theatre. People are laughing. Um, It's It's a great show. Oh, thank you very much. I saw it. It's brilliant. Thanks, mate. Yeah, very the good. end. Very funny. <laughs> the end. Very I've been funny to stuff. see Jesus Christ Superstar in the open air theatre. Oh. That was amazing. And the three and a half hour epic that is the Ferryman, which uh, made me cry. All right. I'm very Jesus confident. Christ Superstar is uh, it's just propaganda. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very little. No, fun. you'd love it. Not enough facts in it for me. It's <laughs> ambiguous about whether or not he was actually divine yeah, in some way. Just yeah, magician and raconteur. <laughs> Nothing more, nothing less. Not criticising the lad. Spoken like a true Mrs Noah. (laughs) You expect me to clean this up, Noah? Goodness me. Oh, Noah, what are you like? I told you to put a shit shoot in. (laughs) I digress. This uh, is uh, Bugle 4042. uh, We're recording on the 8th of September. Uh, On this day, in the year 1504, Michelangelo... Uh, old Mickey Chisels himself uh, released his new smash hit sculpture, David. Yeah, unveiled in Florence exactly 513 years ago uh, and uh, pulled back the curtain to reveal the sculpture. And the first words he said afterwards were apparently, Oh shit, I forgot to put his underpants on. Oh no, he's supposed to have underpants. Sorry, ladies. And yes, that is a tattoo of a unicorn on his ankle. Cutting some slack. He's only young, he's exploring himself. It'll wash off in time. And uh, in uh, on this day in 1888, uh, well, you don't need me to tell you that uh, that was the day the first six football league matches were played in England. Oh, wow. Yep. And they've recently discovered uh, a wax cylinder recording from that very evening. I just wanted to say, Alan, that Villa were absolutely awful today. Uh, I know we've got a point away at the Wolves, but uh, the manager, uh, what's his name, Ramsey, he's got to go for me. Uh, clueless, Alan, hasn't won a league match and he's been in charge in 1884. And uh, what Gershom Cox was thinking when he scored that own goal, Alan. Uh, I mean, he's not good enough for this level of football, albeit it is brand new. Uh, I don't know why we haven't signed someone from Argentina or something. We're going down at this rate, Alan. We're going down. Um. <laughs> what do I always say? You never get enough credit for your accents. <laughs> That's n- it's nice for uh, a man of Asian origin to be saying that to a white British man. <laughs> Rather than the other way round, as is so often the traditional way. Yet I get no credit for my Asian accent. <laughs> um, as always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, a paradoxes section. We are offering all buglers a free paradox, but only if you promise not to take up the offer. <laughs> uh, choose from the following paradoxes. The philosopher's axe. <laughs> the famous uh, philosophical paradox of philosophy, which is something to do with what would happen if uh, if Slash from Guns N' Roses taught, taught Ludwig Wittgenstein to play the guitar solo from Sweet Child of Mine. Would it still be the same song? Um, catch 22. Uh, that's uh, something about what England wicketkeeper Alan Knott did in the 1974-75 <laughs> Ashes series. The liar paradox, famously uh, based on the, the statement, everything I say is false, which, of course, you know, can't be either true or false, uh, but can reasonably be interpreted as, as I'm probably bullshitting most of the time. <laughs> and the crocodile paradox. Now, this is a premise that states that uh, uh, a crocodile stolen a child and promises the parents that their child will be returned if and only if they correctly predict what the crocodile will do next. Um, 
the paradox being that if the parents are so off their nuts that they're hallucinating a talking crocodile with advanced hostage negotiation skills, A, how do they even know they've got a child? And B, if they do, social services should get involved. Uh, that section uh, in the bin! Top story this week, immigration and Brexit. Um, let me start, Andy, by saying uh, to Tom, welcome to our country. Thank you. Now get the f*** <laughs> out of our country. We did not vote leave so some gay Australian could come over here and talk about our news with a chocolate boy and his Jew friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the name of our double. <laughs> well, it's exactly what I was going to do with John years ago. <laughs> Ended his American career, I think, if he was Chocolate Boy. Well, I mean, it, given the current climate, it might have turned him into a stadium act. <laughs> oh, so um, what are they doing? They're kicking out all the. There's leaked documents have uh, sort of uh, charted the kind of rules that they're going to introduce in regards to uh, the UK's approach to immigration moving forward. That's right. Kicking out the low skilled nonces and keeping the highly skilled ones yeah. in. I'm hoping it's some kind of. EU migrants got talent situation. <laughs> series of Polish and Romanian people trying to convince Simon Cowell that they should stay on the competition. That is British life, no doubt. With a rock solid argument. Well, you're allowed to stay, and you could trip nothing to this country but horror and slime. You smug, pouting weirdo. <laughs> my general vibe. The document said that the UK will remain a hub for international talent, so I actually think I'm going to be fine, Nish. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm international, and I got three stars from the Evening Standard. So, I think once you get rid of all the stupid foreigners, I'm going to be, like, third in line to the throne. What are my skills, I hear you ask? Sarcasm. Regular bowel movements. The only kind of freedom of movement that I'm interested in. Boy, if that's a criteria, I am down one for two. Good lord! Uh, I'm very good at being white. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Again, zip, no, not for two for Kuma. <laughs> and I do have a blue tick on Twitter, which I couldn't help but notice that neither yourself nor Nish actually really? have. So, what have you not got a blue tick, mate? What is a blue tick on Twitter? <laughs> it's a verified tick. Oh, really? that means you're a real person. Oh, right. I thought it was that you'd been approved by the Conservative. Party. <laughs> <laughs> well, that as well. <laughs> I've been really sucking up ever since this whole Brexit thing. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that visa. Yeah, that's right. So this leaked Home Office document has said that uh, Britain will end freedom of movement uh, immediately after Brexit. There'd been some chat that there'd be some sort of a uh, transitional period, but according to this leaked document, uh, they're gonna that's going to end immediately afterwards. And there's also going to be restrictions on uh, EU people living in Britain already and whether they can bring family members over. And it's another in the long history of Brexiteers completely contradicting themselves because <laughs> Daniel Hanan, who is a prominent Brexiteer and permanent <laughs> said that uh, in June 2016 he tweeted it was irresponsible to scare EU nationals in the UK by hinting that their status might change after Brexit no one's suggesting such a thing uh, this follows hot on the heels of other U-turns uh, when uh, David Davis said that the EU would be in for the row of the summer uh, if they uh, didn't think we were going to talk about trade first that's gone out of the window uh, and also uh, David Davis this week said nobody ever pretended this would be simple or easy apart from Liam Fox who is also a prominent Brexiteer who in July of this year said an EU-UK trade deal would be the easiest in human history. <laughs> At this point, I would not in be... Human in human history. Not, not... I mean, this is not... I'm not... I've not taken any licence with that. He said that an EU-UK trade deal would be the easiest in human history. Right. The easiest trade Did deal. Did you mean the easiest post-Brexit EU-UK trade deal <laughs> in human history? Well, that is now, I believe, how we measure all human history. Right, okay. I think it's now divided into <laughs> BB and AB. <laughs> 
Um, so it's kind of well, the, the government's plans for, for for Drawbridge Britainers, I believe, we're going to be officially known. <laughs> Uh, to stop all the uh, 7 billion plus bogus asylogrants who are currently roaming the rest of the world. <coughs> Tom. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. From, uh, uh, um, my parents. <coughs> Half of my parents. Um, um, my parents. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy. If, <laughs> if they start kicking out immigrants, the bugle could be a sparse affair. The thing is, 100 years ago, Tom's family were probably the only ones who were actually in the UK. <laughs> And then we bloody stole some bread, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what wasn't in it. There was no no sign of the giant £4.5 billion catapult that Nigel Farage had promised he would use <laughs> to fire all non-Brits back to whichever part of non-Britannia they came from. That was disappointing. Not even details of how their government is just planning to stick Michael Gove on the White Cliffs of Dover as a human force field. <laughs> Using the sheer force of his personality to repel all sentient beings as far away from him as possible. Um, but uh, uh, nothing about about uh, well, other than obviously Brexit's going to be you know bad for the environment, which uh, is good from a Brexit point of view because that deepens the moat that we. Have. <laughs> Is, is it bad for the environment because since it's happened, the amount of hot air expelled by Brexiteers <laughs> is actually directly contributing to climate change? I think it's just the heat coming off angry faces, <laughs> probably from both sides. You mentioned they're changing the rules about family members of, that EU members can bring in. Yeah. Uh, it said, we propose to define family members as direct family members only, plus durable partners. <laughs> which could be bad news for the twice-divorced Nigel Farage. <laughs> Durable partners. Britain isn't about durable relationships. There's nothing more British than decades-long marriages infested with resentment and bitterness. Every British marriage should look and feel like a Harold Pinter play. I've always said that. What's well, something ironic about like the UK essentially going through a geopolitical divorce and then demanding that anyone who comes in better be serious about commitment? It's like, you treat your girlfriend like the way we treat the EU. You're out, buddy! <laughs> More bad news for uh, Tom and his people uh, in Britain this week. Musical uh, theatre fans. Musical theatre... Yes, yeah. in a manner of speaking. <laughs> Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, has been uh, on the television this week. Uh, now, Tom, how aware are you of uh, the Mogmeister General? I love the Mogman. <laughs> I'm all about Mogmentum, which sounds like something that you have to cough up. I, I can't believe he's real. He is like... The embarrassing stereotype of your country. Like, he's exactly. your Crocodile Dundee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like his spirit animal is a monocle. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's not a reaction review. This is a reaction review. <laughs> he, yeah, he does look like the protagonist in a film where an 18th century lord has fallen into an ice lake. <laughs> And been thawed out in the 21st century with hilarious consequences. Only well, this... I see it as, I mean, he's not clearly. Uh, I mean, he, to me, he's like he's woken up in a sci-fi film. Just, I guess, a similar scenario. Yeah. And asked the classic, "What year is it?" And then just refused to listen to the answer. <laughs> it's 2017, Jacob. 1924. I think. <laughs> he's given an interview uh, to a uh, morning breakfast show this week where he said that he uh, his religious views mean that he does not agree uh, with gay marriage or abortion, even in the cases of rape and incest. Now, obviously, this is not ideal. But uh, he's been 
quite alarmingly praised uh, in quite a lot of conservative newspapers for sticking to his religious beliefs. Uh, now, I would suggest that that wouldn't have been the case if his name wasn't Jacob Rees-Mogg, but was instead Jacob Al-Moghamadi. <laughs> And he was insisting on Sharia law and mandatory burqas for everyone. Well, it's a matter of time, isn't it? <laughs> a matter of time. <laughs> Bound to happen. Yeah. That people, why there is a love for him that I cannot understand. Like even ironically, there's a Facebook page called "Can't Clog the Mog." which I assume is the worst parody of Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark ever. <laughs> can't clog the mug, can't clog the mug with Corbin Sparks. This mug's on fire. <laughs> okay, that's it, that's all I'm going to sing about. But they love him so much. Yeah, it's we are, as a nation, we, I believe, will never heal any of the problems that afflict our society until we stop being delighted by people who sound like people who used to own my ancestors. <laughs> That is a serious issue for us. But the the most concerning thing, I mean, I can sort of understand people having, uh, um, you know, biblical views if the Bible is their bag. And, sure. You know, I mean, to be honest, I'm impressed that something written only two thousand years ago is is in his wheelhouse. I think <laughs> it would have gone further back than that. Um, uh, by the way, just reading that bookmakers are taking spread bets on exactly when Jacob Rees-Mogg, now tipped as a potential prime minister, pulls up to the Houses of Parliament in his Deluvian BCE 12,000 time machine, with his loyal wife Anachronista by his side, wearing a toga <laughs> and saying, Valete plebes, usque ad initium historiae fugamus. Um, again, uh, but um, <laughs> he's... Uh, ha- what I can't understand is how he's become a, 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 a tip to be a, the Tory leader. He what? was like the most popular option in a survey on a conservative website to be their next leader he's got uh, he he suffers from a, a bad case of uh, what doctors are now referring to as boris johnsonitis <laughs> where he's a sort of affable uh, seemingly affable posh guy uh, who sort of turns up and is kind of a sort of cartoon figure on various tv shows but actually that masks some incredibly unpleasant and reactionary <laughs> views and he, but he's really, he is really animating support. Like Bungle in Rainbow. Like, exactly like Bungle in Rainbow. Exactly like Bungle in Rainbow. And he, uh, he, but he is getting a lot of support behind him. So uh, there's been uh, more developments with Activate, right. which is uh, the new Tory youth movement, the new conservative youth movement that unfortunately has a name that makes it sound like medication you prescribe for someone with constipation. <laughs> Blocked up, you need Activate. <laughs> now in prune flavour. <laughs> it is a yoghurt feature, isn't it? <laughs> the launch of Activate has not gone well. Its Twitter account and its Facebook account were both hacked in their first week, and the hackers <laughs> posted just about Activate's new support for Jacob Rees-Mogg's um, leadership bid, and was just generally wreaking havoc on there. At one point, the group's Twitter account read, Activate's Twitter account came under another successful hacking attempt at 22.29 today. Activate have now regained control. Then the same account replied to its own tweet, No, you haven't. (laughs) Then the account replied to that, Seriously, piss off Joshua. (laughs) Which I I think Joshua is demonstrating the best of conservative ideology. He's an entrepreneurial individual, succeeding in the marketplace of ideas, the idea being that making Tories angry is very funny. (laughs) The problem with Activate is that it's designed to sort of get young people engaged in conservatism, but what's obviously clear is that there are no young people in Involved in its inception, <laughs> if you look at any of its marketing, which means it must be wide open to hacking because the Twitter account's password is almost certainly password. <laughs> 
Or just re-smog. It would just re-smog, yeah. The website was, like, open to donations, so anyone could chip in money to support the Activate cause, which was all lovely until they realised that the names would appear on the website, <laughs> meaning that Activate received many 25-pence donations from the likes of Harold Shipman, <laughs> <laughs> Communism, and Jimmy Savile. <laughs> It does seem to me a manifestation of a uh, process currently at large in, in British politics uh, in the post-Brexiterian world, um, described as the British process, which is an acronym for Beyond Rationality, Inexplicable and Trenchantly Idiotic Shit Happens. <laughs> and in what is now described as a political age, it's got its own name, uh, they're calling it the Eon of Accepted Absurdity, Absolutely Anything Goes, However Harebrained or Horrendous, or... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Yeah, strange stuff. I mean, I can't, I cannot imagine Reese Mogg as act, actually becoming the overlord of this nation. Why not, Andy? He looks like the people that ran this country for 500 years. <laughs> like, history is absolutely on his side with this one. It's going to turn out that the 20th century was something of a fluke in Britain. <laughs> I like how Jeremy Corbyn's name is chanted to the tune of Seven Nation Army. Reese Mogg looks like his name will be chanted to the tune of Dad's Army. <laughs> <laughs> And they call him the Mog Father, which means he makes people sleep with the fishes, but only after they're married. <laughs> Guys, I'm pretty happy with that. And okay. also, the fishes must be a different gender to them. <laughs> yes. We cannot have this country overrun by homosexual fish fuckers. <laughs> that, I believe, is the first point of his manifesto. You've always that was the that. first draft of Churchill's Will Fight Them on the Beaches. <laughs> <laughs> Those fish <laughs> Oh, the Germans, too, I guess, but mainly the fish. <laughs> but, you know, it was a rocky start for Activate, but they got some really exciting campaigns coming up. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. They're going to engage, you know, do youth with conservatism. Um, Corbyn might have been a hit at Glastonbury, but wait until you see Theresa May busting out some sweet moves at Morris Dance Fest 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there's their budget spinner campaign. If you kids out there love your fidget spinners, then you'll totes dig budget spinner, <laughs> which is all about using the uber rad mechanism of austerity to spin those budget numbers into surplus. <laughs> Righteous, in it. <laughs> the Activate uh, uh, Twitter account also said that uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob has the vision and competence to lead the Conservatives into the next general election and deliver a Brexit that truly works for everybody. Now, a number of other people have, uh, have said so they can do this, including Theresa May, Jeremy Corbyn, Arlene Foster, um, uh, the Belgian Prime Minister Guy Verhofstadt. Yep. Um, they've all called for a Brexit that works for all. The Uruguayan tennis player Pablo Cuevas, uh, Shabnam <laughs> Isoreo, the Tajikistan pop singer, uh, the late 1926 Nobel Physics Prize winner Jean Baptiste Perrin, and Alberto Frog, the animated former orchestra impresario from the 1970s kids' TV series Bod. <laughs> Everyone wants a Brexit that works for all, but what the f is that? Yeah. That's what I want to know. What the f is a Brexit? Is it even possible? I mean, I, I think it's it is logistically impossible in the same way that remaining could not have worked for everybody. <laughs> nothing can work for every. Sorry for a damper on the nature of human existence, guys. But um, <laughs> nothing works for everyone. Um, but um, I have looked at the options for a Brexit that works for all, and I think there are some. Uh, firstly, a pretend Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Politics, as discussed, uh, is ninety nine percent perception. So we just need to tell people that we've left. Yeah. And then that works for both sides, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um. And you could even using some kind of algorithm, which for those who don't know what it is, is the modern word for witchcraft. Um, <laughs> uh, target the most ardent Leviac voters um, with emails telling them about new multi-quadrillion pound trade deals with Guatemala or Malawi or somewhere Arabia or Abroadistan and fake news websites about 
how we've chucked out everyone who can't prove a direct blood descendancy from Bodicea. And <laughs> everyone's happy. Alternatively, option B is a, uh, a Brexit that works for all. A five-second ceremonial Brexit. <laughs> followed by a resumption of our membership in the EU. Because the referendum did not specify how long we would leave the EU for. This is the problem with a vaguely worded referendum. We have to make it work for us. Um, it's the Brexit equivalent of just popping to the shops for some milk. Yeah. We just popped out, got some sovereignty, and now we're back. Yeah. But anyway, fi- we leave for five seconds. Everyone wins. You know, we're better off economically. Uh, the disenfranchised voters of the younger generations and future generations get what they want. Um, and uh, most importantly, we still have the EU to blame for absolutely f***ing everything that goes wrong in this country, <laughs> yeah. which is what this country wants. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the million-pound question. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the £999,000 question. Oh, no, sorry, the pound's gone down again. <laughs> <laughs> the question is... Love what? an exchange rate joke. Lo- <laughs> I was to, before we carry on with this, went, I went to an um, England-South Africa cricket match years ago Yeah, at a time when the, the rand was... Uh, out of form as a currency, right? It's sure. Charitable to say, yeah. And the Barmy Army England's uh, uh, musical band of cricket supporters uh, sang. Um, You've got uh, to the tune of uh, what's? <laughs> you got two rand to the pound, and it just went up and up <laughs> over the course of what seemed like half an hour <laughs> until it was up to about nineteen rand to the pound. <laughs> but it's just there's not enough economic not enough heckling. Ec- in it's not enough currency-based actually. Yeah. But the question is, after we leave the EU, because basically we spent the last 25 years blaming them for everything, and the question is, after we leave the EU, who are we going to blame for the fact that our country is so shit? I have a terrible feeling I know the answer, <laughs> and it's literally staring back at me in a mirror. <laughs> Absolutely dreadful feeling. Hey, don't worry, we'll, they'll always find a way to blame you, Nish. Come on, that will never change. It's British as tea. <laughs> I to to all the sort of pro Brexit buglers out there, uh, and there are a few, and they contact me on Twitter every time I'm on the show and tell me I'm <laughs> quote ruining the bugle. <laughs> Please get your house in order because we're constantly told by Brexiteers that it's like, it's not really about immigration, it's not really about raises, about sovereignty. It does feel like the people driving your bus are the drunkest members of your party. <laughs> Please get your shit together for the love of all of us. Yeah, if you're in a backseat of Thelma and Louise's car, you want them to be stone cold sober when they press that accelerator pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show that I tried to be nice. <laughs> Let the record show when you tweet me telling me I'm ruining the bugle because of my Brexit views. Let the record show that I tried to be nice. <laughs> Even though what you're doing is clearly a stupid f-ing idea. <laughs> Embarrassing date news now. Okay, now this is on the BBC. I want to make that very clear. Okay, I didn't find this down some back alley of the internet. This is on. <laughs> The BB, the British Broadcasting Corporation. More like the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, am I right? <laughs> Very good. Woman trapped in a window after trying to retrieve poo after Tinder date. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. A woman who threw her poo out of her date's toilet window because it would would not flush had to be rescued after she got stuck trying to retrieve it. The, the amateur gymnast was on a first date with Bristol student Liam Smith when she panicked and threw the feces out of the window. <laughs> It did not. L- I've written no jokes for this story, guys. It did not land in the garden, but became wedged between two non-opening windows. After climbing in headfirst after it, she became wedged. Mr. Smith had to call the fire service for help. 
One member of the fire service described the scene of the young woman lodged in between the windows, desperately <laughs> reaching for her own faecal matter, as a powerful metaphor of the United Kingdom's attempts at Brexit negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they go with amateur gym- a gymnast. I think that's generous. F***ing amateur gymnast. I yeah, think it's yeah, much yeah. more appropriate. If you squeeze between two windows to reach your own dollop, good luck winning gold in 2020, honey. <laughs> Also, uh, the other crucial thing that we've all learned from this is the date that they had been on was to Nando's. Yes. Guys, this is a serious issue. Not all white people can handle Nando's. <laughs> Not all whiteies can handle the Nand. Don't be ashamed to order lemon and herb. <laughs> Hashtag not all white people can handle Nando's. But that, but I would assume if you didn't deal with Nando's, it would make it would make the um, uh, a matter quite oh, dispersed. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this appears to be some kind of incredible, indestructible, durable yeah. piece Seems of human matter. Past a shot put. <laughs> well, I would say that he who has never. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, please finish that thought. <laughs> Let he who has never taken his own feces out of an unflushing toilet and flung it out of a window and then in an attempt to retrieve said feces got stuck on a first date. Cast the first stone. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Yes, I've I've definitely left offending fossils in someone's toilet. My instinct has never been to pick it up and get it airborne because I've seen one or two Adam Sandler movies in my time. I know how that shit plays out, people. But amazing, the love springs eternal. He said, you know, the woman doesn't want to be named, but Mr. Smith said he had seen her since, and who knows what the future holds. Lovely right. story to tell at the wedding. Right? Yeah, hell of a story for their kids as well. How did you and Dad meet? Well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> you know why all our, ha- our toilets in this house have industrial super flushes? <laughs> There's a good reason yeah. for that. When did you first realise you were in love? Well, it was when she was jammed between the windows. <laughs> Desperately reaching out for it. <laughs> Bugle feature section now, and God is dead! Um, discuss. Uh, well, maybe not dead, but certainly not as alive as it used to be, and uh, plummeting down, down the credibility charts across the world. More than half of British people now say they have no religion. Uh, the popularity of uh, religion and Christianity in particular is also plummeting in the uh, USA and in Australia, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what's what? Uh, I'm, I'm not on first name terms with with the Almighty. Uh, I do not fear the Lord, and that feeling is entirely mutual. Um, uh, I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think's caused this, guy? I mean, obviously, been quite complacent, particularly in this country, from a British point of view. Very few observable intercessions from the Almighty, <laughs> really since 1966 when he told the linesman the board had definitely crossed the line. <laughs> that, goal if in the World that Cup doesn't prove the existence of God, then I yeah. don't know what does. And but, of course, uh, there was that one time that he carried Margaret Thatcher up to heaven in a winged golden chariot, if I remember from the coverage of her funeral in certain newspapers. <laughs> but what I would say against that, Andy, is there is Paul Gascoigne's slide in the semi-finals of Euro 96, which nearly resulted in a golden goal for England. The fact that he didn't make that, surely that's proof that God does not exist. Or if he does, he f***ing hates England. I can't... I mean, God cannot have liked that German football team. It had Andy (laughs) Muller in it. I guess if there is, you know, conclusive proof of the non-existence of a benevolent deity, that that was it. (laughs) I, I would Tom, say. Tom, what's your view on the 1996 Euro uh, semi-final? Oh, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. <laughs> I think we're just going over all ground, you know. 
<laughs> I would say in religious terms, I would. I still classify myself as being religious, but it's lapsed, lapsed Hindu. Right. Which I think means if I lapse any further, I become very Hindu. Like it all goes <laughs> round the side negative, and starts again. Right, yeah, it's okay. triple negative. Right. And I would say, you know, if you're uh, if you're uh, on the fence religious wise, go for Hinduism. Yep. It's great. There's loads of them. It's like X Men. <laughs> absolutely brilliant some of them are blue it's phenomenal stuff it's absolutely extraordinary right, so the, and stuff. yeah so the yeah. Hinduism offers more to today's demanding consumer yeah well we're huge fans of sort of sci-fi world building see the Marvel Cinematic Universe right. Hinduism's been that for years baby yeah well, I think the, the ancient Greeks had a pretty I mean they just used oh Greek. yeah they, they had they had loads of good Invent ones gods yeah uh, the Romans and the Greeks had. I just think monotheism may not have a place in a world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Never is the true word being spoken. <laughs> it's interesting. 53% of British adults say they don't believe in religion, and actually 100% of gods say that at the moment they don't believe in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> One god was quoted as saying, I know I flooded the world, killing almost all life on Earth, but Brexit? <laughs> You're crazy. And uh, yeah, 43% of Americans identify as white and Christian, and 100% of those people believe that Jesus also identified as both of those things. <laughs> Not willing to look at the difference there. I've said it once and I'll say it again, no one, none of the world's problems is going to be solved until everyone realises that Jesus looks more like me than Robert Powell. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is, you know, it's a competitive market out there. Consum- today's consumers, you know, they shop around. Yeah. And maybe some of the promotional packages offered by some of the leading religions are not that attractive, particularly sure. for, you know, women or <laughs> non-heterosexual people. <laughs> there's some, what, unlimited fires of hell? Is that, <laughs> is that the same as all-you-can-eat data or not? <laughs> but despite the fact that we are, you know, increasingly secular, still 26 seats in the House of Lords for bishops. Wow. Is it time to reassess this and maybe... Split them according more to what people may maybe have, you know, some bishops, and then maybe twenty three seats for fashion vloggers. <laughs> Just the way we should be going, or football pundits, Lord Shearer. The zero point one percent quarterly growth is just not good enough. Got to do better than that at this level. <laughs> sit in a place called the House of Lords. I'm sorry, I still am reeling from watching Andy Zoltzman use the phrase fashion vloggers. <laughs> I, t- I did not. It's like finding out a cat can use chopsticks. <laughs> fashion vloggers. Vloggers, am I saying that right? <laughs> sorry, Tom. That's alright. I just. How can you sit in a place called the House of Lords when you believe in an actual lord? <laughs> It's like a Satanist working in a hell-themed theatre restaurant, being like, oh, yeah, I believe in bills above and everything, but I also love dress-ups. <laughs> also, I think when it comes to the House of Lords and modernisation, let's not start pulling at that thread. Because <laughs> that does not end well. I think noting the bishops in the House of Lords as a problem is a bit like finding a typo in Mein Kampf. <laughs> Picky. I'm not religious, I'm, and, and, uh, but I'm not saying that if you are religious that you're an idiot or anything, I, but I'm um, thinking that <laughs> quite a bit. There's, one e- of those. there's even worse news for religion, because uh, it turns out that uh, Facebook has now overtaken Islam. Right. <laughs> in terms of its uh, daily users. <laughs> I don't, I don't really right. understand, because, uh, I mean, I didn't realise that it was an either-or situation <laughs> between right. Facebook or Islam. I didn't realise, right. but... On the other hand, I have not read the terms and conditions of Facebook. <laughs> it is very possible that in addition to owning our photographs, they forced us to renounce any previous gods we may or may not have believed in. You can't tag yeah. Muhammad in anything. Yeah, exactly. 
Lad Bible is Facebook's ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a religion in, in a lot of ways, isn't it? It doesn't pay tax. Yeah. <laughs> Often makes you feel shit about yourself. It loves watching everything you do. And it was started by a horny loner. So, kind of makes sense. Until mosques and churches start providing information about what your ex is up to and links to sites that allow you to find out which Gilmore girls you are, they're probably not going to compete with Facebook. But then I would say that because I'm such a Rory. In other religion news, there's a very exciting... Uh, new computer game called Fight of Gods in which you can make Jesus beat up Buddha. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking just what the world needed right now was more things involving clashes of religions. <laughs> real or otherwise. I mean, obviously, Jesus... You're going to back Jesus to take on... Uh, Buddha's not... I mean, he's not... He's, a, he's above his fighting weight, <laughs> I mean, with all due respect. But that's the problem. It's, it depends on which incarnation of the Buddha you right. go for. Because the younger Buddha... Like Elvis, is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you want him before the Buddha died on the toilet. Not a lot of people know that, but not the comeback special. You want Buddha, the hound dog years. <laughs> what a sitcom that was. <laughs> Scott, Scott Bio is best in many ways. Um, I do love the fact that someone has thought, oh, if only there was a way to find out what would happen when religions would fight each other. There is a way. It's called the entire history of everything. <laughs> Uh, I'd go for his use myself. Oof, um, thunderbolts. Sh- chucking down unplayable thunderbolts like a peak era Kirtley Ambrose. Um, <laughs> what are the moves that they've got? What, what is Buddha and Jesus? Because what? Because Jesus is solely a pacifist. And yeah. Just turning, like, just uh, multiplying uh, bread and throwing that at Buddha. As opposed to notorious warmonger the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, these are the two worst gods to have face off with each other. Jesus would be, you'd have to sort just of... Just turning the other cheek constantly. Yeah, exactly, just constantly turning the other cheek. Jesus would be sort of turning water into wine and trying to get Buddha drunk and <laughs> defeat him that way. <laughs> hey, Buddha, have this some of this delicious water. It's definitely water. <laughs> While Buddha just sits and meditates and tries to reach enlightenment. Are you suggesting that when Jesus turned water into wine, it was, uh, was uncoloured wine? <laughs> Yeah, it's the world's first clear wine. I can't believe that's the bit of that story you're struggling with the plausibility <laughs> of, Zoltzman. Magician, you said it before, Andy. <laughs> Goddamn liar. That's more like vodka to me. <laughs> what a night out that would be. Absolutely lashed in the Nazareth weather spoons. <laughs> Jesus is on the vodies. <laughs> Just some quick royal news. Prince George, the five-year-old professional proto-monarchical overlord, um, <laughs> who has exclusively revealed on the bugle uh, in uh, whenever he was born. Was it 2012 or 2011? I, I mean, you're looking uh, at the wrong guys, Alts. Popped, uh, popped out of the royal womb as a natural, fully functioning automatic prince, um, who's a princely uh, baby puke, of course, when spread on penguins' wings, turns them into eagles. <laughs> he had his first day at school... Uh, the, uh, I'm sure there's big news in Australia as well. Huge. Huge. Yeah, of course. You guys love them. Love them, yeah. mate. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did it go for the young royal and future king of Gibraltar? Well, uh, it went sensationally well. Every time the prince answers a question at his new school, the teacher has to tell him he's got it right. <laughs> or a knight in armour will take that teacher to the Tower of London for immediate execution. <laughs> After each correct answer, which, as said, is all of them, 12 trumpeters honk a quick blast of God Save the Queen. 
uh, normal school boy. Uh, it will be, will be treated as a normal boy apart from his sacred right to joust, which <laughs> he is entitled to do in the school playground, in any school corridors longer than four metres, and in the school hall, whilst riding one or more of a horse, a bicycle, a dragon, or a royal motorbike. <laughs> uh, and on his first day, he jousted four-year-old uh, Emilia Scrogroff uh, off a bench with a giant pencil. Uh, <laughs> during lunch, whilst the other boys and girls were eating chicken nuggets, Prince George simply looked at his plate and turned it into a roasted swan. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> He was uh, named man of the match in his class football game after the ball landed on one of the spikes of his crown. <laughs> got stuck and he just like, toddled into the goal for the winner. Uh, he has a constitutional right to play for Chelsea whenever he demands, by the way. And uh, he's also allowed to own one boy as his personal equity in the school. He chose uh, five-year-old Blartrand Julep. Um, the uh, other children in the class technically belong to the crown and all profits from them will be ploughed plowed back into the development of a new Wi-Fi-enabled scepter. Tax-free. <laughs> Um, there will be updates on George's schooling every week for the next 13 years here, only on The Bugle, the official podcast of the Saxacobo Gotha Windsor Royal Dynasty. <laughs> Andy, if you're trying to get beheaded, you are going the right way about it. Um, I love the royal family. They are great people. Please don't deport me. Um, 100 years ago this week, they changed their family name to Windsor from Saxacobo Gotha because of the old uh, little ding dong between the people of Germany. So, 1917. No rush. No rush on that one. That was three years into the First World War. They were on the fence for three years. Good Lord. This, this ding-dong is really kicking off. The First World Ding-dong. Yeah. Um, it was a schmozzle. Give it its technical term, Andy. First World Ding-dong, the title of my uh, Edinburgh show for next year. Um, oh, well, that's, that's it. We've run out of time. Uh, thank you for your emails if you did send them in we'll uh, read some of them uh, another time out loud into a microphone um, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for coming guys. no what, worries got any, uh, you've got your TV show yeah so buglers may be interested given that I was bugling a lot after returning from places like Brazil and the Philippines uh, the, the travel show that I was making why then... did you not go with Mongolia in that list oh yeah there was Mongolia as well Mongolia is top of that list yeah Mongolia was yeah. top of that list I did bug- but I think I bugled it, the morning I arrived from Brazil. I think that's why it's very fresh in my brain. But yeah, there was Mongolia as well. That airs on the 18th of September on uh, UK TV uh, in Con Comedy Central. Uh, it is uh, also available internationally, but there's probably no point in me telling you as the people who are interested will have already downloaded it <laughs> through some nefarious means. Uh, but yeah, it's called Joel and Nish versus the World, and it's the travel show that I'd been talking about earlier in the year on The Bugle. Anything you want to plug? Tom, you're nearly finished your run in London. Yeah, pretty much finished up. You missed out, losers. Too bad. Uh, No, thanks. A a young gentleman uh, came along to the show and said that he heard me on this very show and inspired him to come and be disappointed (laughs) in my comedy (laughs) life. But I have a podcast called Like I'm a Six-Year-Old, and I've been chatting to lovely people like Jeff Norcott and Owen Jones is an upcoming guest on that show. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, if you you like politics-y stuff without all this nonsense <laughs> that you'll find here on The Bugle, then uh, check that out, please. I heard there was an unfortunate snafu in your recent interview with Ahir Shah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about uh, when I confused his material with yours. <laughs> I mean, come on! <laughs> come on! Don't make a big deal about it! We're taking our country back, Nish. We're taking our country back. I don't have time to learn all the different names and angles. Jesus. <laughs> Good stuff.
Yep. So, uh, sh- do you have something to plug? Uh, well, I was hoping <laughs> to plug my American tour dates, but they appear to be still more up in the air than would be ideal at this stage. What's the? So, I, I mean, I imagine it's what Shea Stadium. Uh, Shea Stadium is off the agenda. I think <laughs> White House, <laughs> Madison um, Square, <laughs> Madison, the Garden. I will be the Garden. The, I'll be performing in the Garden, but, uh, <laughs> only in a boxing capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Conor McGregor's got to fight someone's else. Hopefully, hopefully next week. Uh, it'll be from sort of mid-October by the looks of it. Um, the live bugle at King's Place next week is on the 17th, Sunday the 17th. It's an be... afternoon show. Afternoon? Yeah. It's a nice sort of genteel way to do it. G- Gentile? Gen- <laughs> Gen- I mean, let's go with Gentile. Yeah, why not? Do you have another gig that you need to get to ten minutes after that one finishes? <laughs> no, I don't. Not like the one in... Uh, when I ended up giving a ride in a taxi to th- three people, there was a... Due to bad planning, there was a ten-minute gap between the live people and my last solo show. And, um, Salzman, what? you! Bad planning! <laughs> I, won't hear the, I won't hear any of it. Andy, um, what do you think of Radiotopia? Uh, Radiotopia is absolutely awesome, and uh, the Knight Foundation uh, equally, if not more so. Yeah, yeah, just mentioning both of them has given me a full erection. <laughs> this show must end. Yeah.